Good evening and welcome to The Dark Art, horror with heartfelt appreciation from two lifelong fanatics. My name is Jake Conrad. And my name is Marin Mascaro. The Dark Art is a double bill, and on this episode we discuss two very highly rated horror films from South Korea that are certain to give you the chills. First, we look at The Host, a modern creature feature about a determined and resourceful family looking to save one of their own from a nightmarish beast. And next, we'll look at The Wailing, a gritty, genre-bending thrill ride that merges bits of zombie lore, possession, and true crime drama to serve up a whole lot of scares. As a disclaimer, we must warn you that the dark art contains in-depth discourse on the subject of horror films, and therefore may contain descriptions of situations deemed frightening, traumatic, and inappropriate for children. And as a secondary warning, addressing the major plot points of these movies don't come without major spoilers for the films discussed. So, as they say, enter if you dare. Okay, um, before we get going, I thought I would talk a little bit about foreign film. Um, it's We're living in an amazing time where we have access to really every film ever made from all over the world, anytime on in our at our fingertips basically so before the internet here's me being the old man um, before the internet i had friends introduce me to foreign films um in right around college and in in those days you had the one or two weirdos that bought these films overseas had them shipped um and then they would burn me copies on from VHS to VHS that looked terrible, sounded terrible, usually had the lines through it. And now we can basically type in the, the title. Maybe you have to pay a little bit. Maybe you're just renting it and you're, you're there. So the ironic part I think about that is that with that ease of, of access has come in some ways problems that still make it preventative to watch foreign, foreign films. I think, uh, and I don't want to be, I feel like I'm being the old man that's like yelling at the kids across the street. But the truth is like the Netflix generation might decide to skip a subtitled foreign movie because they simply can't sit there on their phone looking at TikTok while they're watching it. I mean, the, the, the beauty and the curse of a foreign film is you really just have to watch it. And for some, in some ways, that's why I love them so much. You really, you can't look away or you'll miss dialogue that's, that you have to read. Um, I don't, some people are really irritated by reading the subtitles. I, I like to hear the, the movie, in the natural language, the actors that I'm, I'm watching. And, and so this idea of having to focus completely on the movie is what I always like. I, I really hate when I go to show somebody a movie that I'm passionate about and I look over and they're like scrolling through Facebook. It, like I, I try to be cool. I feel like I am pretty cool. But part of me is like scre internal cool. <laughs> screaming, like, come on, like, this is an experience. We could have an experience right now. And you're totally deadening yourself to that. Well, you can't do that with a subtitled foreign film. And I think that that's maybe something that prevents people from from really accessing the, the plethora 
that's out there. I don't know what your experience with foreign film is, but um, I mean, there's so many amazing movies, not counting horror movies. I mean, they, just the Italian movies that I've watched and um, from like Fellini and Japanese, like the Kurosawa uh, samurai films. And I, I had a one friend that was just crazy for Werner Herzog, the, the German director, and he had like all of his movies he made me watch him and like i'd bring him home and janet would be like what is this i mean it was off the wall like the ingmar bergman swedish films that are just black and white and weird as hell it i mean people have an opinion of of that sometimes without sitting down and actually immersing themselves in it but it's an experience that i've never backed away from and i've always found really fulfilling and that's just that that's all foreign films when you when you pull back and you go to where where we love horror, there there's as much goodness out there, and in fact, so many um, dynasties in America have been built on remaking foreign movies. If you think about it, there's um, it's very true. There's The Grudge, The The Ring, all those movies, you know, it, they were first done in in other countries in Japan. In that case, um, like if you've seen "Let the Right One In," um, yes, that 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 movie they didn't need to redo that movie. That's how I feel about most of these horror movies. The idea that they redo them and they become big here—that's cool. But I would definitely recommend somebody see the the original um, foreign movie of like Funny Games, um, even ones that aren't as good, like The Eye and Shutter. Um, the rec movies um, that are in Spanish, they're, they're all better than the ones that came after. And that's just not me being elitist. It's it's the fact. There's a reason people chose those movies and made them, because they had an effect on people. So, sorry, I just was gushing a little bit about foreign movies. I, 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 what is no, your it's, experience it's totally with, foreign, with foreign films? So, my experience is uh, is very similar to yours. I started looking at foreign films in college. Again, there was, you know, there was limited access back then. But the thing that you mentioned about the foreign films that's very key is that, yes, if you're watching a movie with subtitles, you absolutely have to pay attention. Your eyes are on that screen the entire time. And, you know, over the years, because, um, you know, I have, I have tinnitus and I have partial hearing loss from, you know, the bang bangs in the army, uh, I watch everything with subtitles now. So that's just kind of my life, even, you know, your standard stuff that's in English, because I can't always hear it. So, you know, this is, you know, this is just a way of viewing media for me now. But I know that I'm not alone in that because God knows I've seen enough memes where it's like I turn on the I turn on the subtitles on my Netflix co so I can know what's going on over the sound of my snackies in my phone. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I agree with you. Um, so that being, if you said, close your mind off from foreign film, you're closing yourself off from a lot. Um, one of the one of the horror movies that I really love is a uh, Chronos. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's a movie with subtitles and it was um it was one of the, you know, first real creative foreign horror films that I ever saw. And back when I was reviewing films for the Reno Gazette Journal, 
I did have the pleasure of um, reviewing a, a Japanese film that was called Reincarnation. And that movie had one of the biggest effects on me of any movie ever. I probably did not sleep for 48 hours after I saw that. I was so scared. Every time I shut off the lights, I would think of a certain visual from that movie. It was a, a truly, truly terrifying experience. So, yes, I'm with you. Foreign films, foreign horror, I mean, there's literally an entire world out there to explore. So I was very happy to, um, to come on this journey with these two movies from South Korea. I actually, this is where I was um, leaving some slack here. I don't believe I'd ever seen a horror movie from South Korea before. I'd seen some, some Japanese ones for sure. But, so these were a treat. They really were. Well, I thought it was timely with Squid Game being so popular and then Parasite won, you know, five Oscars. And the director and writer of Parasite also wrote um, the first movie we're going to talk about. Um, I, I just felt like it was it is actually timely to talk about um, Korean film. And also, I, I mean, I've got a list at the end of the podcast that I'm going to give you the of great um, Korean films that I think you you should definitely throw on your list um, horror movies that is um, so I'm I am kind of a big fan they are different I think that the idea of each culture having uh, a different look feel um, it's fun to also you know we love talking about these horror movies and how they connect to each other and how they connect to older films and their where the origins come from I mean to be able to see that throughout time but also throughout different countries is is really fun to see um and to see for me aspects of um the host which was uh, directed by bong joon ho who also did parasite to see so many themes and even characters that reminded me of each other in those two movies was really fun for me so that being said, um, let's get into it. The first one is is called The Host. Um, I'm not going to try to pronounce. I told I know that you gave me the pronunciations. I'm just going to be a wimp, and I'll do my best. And if anyone speaks Korean and is really offended about any pronunciation, um, I'm sorry. I, I it I'm, all I can say is that I did absolutely no homework to learn anything. That's my excuse. But I care, just not enough to have done any homework at all. But I love the movies, and I, from everything I know about the culture of South Korea, I'm, I'm a total fan. I'm just lazy. So let me um, give you the synopsis for The Host. Um, careless American military personnel dump chemicals into South Korea's Han River. Several years later, a creature emerges from the tainted waters and sinks its ravenous jaws into local residence. When the creature abducts his daughter, a vendor and his family band together as they realize they are the only ones that can save the girl. What? The American <laughs> military being careless and completely disregarding regulation and safety standards? That never happens. Yeah, never I'm sure that there's a... It's fictional. <laughs> Well, there is a little bit. I, I think 
you, in both the movies that we watched, there's definitely a vibe that you get about the American military. Um, in in the second movie, there's a there's actually a vibe about you know that this Korean um, South Korean police officer feels about a Japanese man, and so there's some interesting dynamics to look at how you know our military is viewed in other countries. I haven't been to other countries. I know you're you're more closely um, related to that with your service. Um, what did you feel about that aspect of, of the host? So it's very interesting to me because tours to Korea are something that a lot of service members just inevitably end up doing because they're a hardship tour, meaning that often you go unaccompanied. You go over there alone. You don't go with your family, so you don't stay there as long as you stay in other places. Often, if you get stationed in Korea, you're going to be there a year you're going to be there t maybe two years if you are one of the people who petitions to bring your family and you're successful. So a lot of people end up doing just um, real short stints in Korea. This is actually not as desirable amongst service members as you would think. Most people get dragged over to Korea kicking and screaming. Hmm. I was not one of those people. I actually volunteered to go to Korea. The army's like, you want to go to Korea? <laughs> Fuck you. They uh, did not. Uh, I was never successful in a bid to do a tour in Korea, which is a real shame. I always wanted to go. Um, mm. I'd heard great things. I'd heard that they have an amazing culture over there. Awesome food, great entertainment, lots of things to do. So that's disappointing. But as far as um, the portrayal of the U.S. military. So 8th Army is the presence over there in South Korea, which um, was portrayed in the movie. Everything that I've seen from 8th Army is actually among the most competent and uh, tightly locked that I've seen in the military. Uh, one year I went to um, a conference that is called um, the AUSA conference, and um, all the major military um, divisions and presences come in and they host a room on the first night to kind of present the area and, you know, the kind of what the area is like there. So, you know, you have, um, you have 82nd Airborne that, you know, brings you barbecue from Carolina, you know, and then you have... You have the the room from Joint Base Lewis McCord, you know, and we and they brought in, you know, a whole bunch of um, souvenirs and things that are reminiscent of the Pacific Northwest. Eighth Army brought all the most amazing Korean food you've ever tasted in your life. So, Sweet. unsurprisingly, that was the most popular room, and you had to actually wait in line to get it. <laughs> so, it is funny to see, you know. <laughs> To see them show the military being so haphazard and careless, but I think it's probably fair because I'm sure in other countries, most of the things they hear about us are bad because that's what the news is. Well, I you did hear a more little, about things that are messed up. <laughs> I did a little research, and this is based on an actual situation where in 2000. A uh, military facility dumped formaldehyde into a sewer, and that sewer did lead to the Han River. So um, there was investigation. Um, basically, we didn't elect to, to 
prosecute the people involved or, tr- or turn them over, but it it happened. You know, I, it didn't turn, we hope. Um, it didn't create a creature in the river, but... <laughs> I, I certainly hope not. <laughs> but, Especially uh, not that one. Speaking of this creature, I the thing that's so cool about this movie, um, I had... I had read that um, when uh, the director was planning on making this movie, he had a lot of flack. Like, he he said that he, he's like, when you first start thinking of making a monster movie, you have to realize a lot of people might be down on you because there's a big prejudice against such films. And we've talked a little bit about how people look at folks like us that like horror. Um, he said that... Um, when he conceived of the idea, he told his friends about it. They looked at him like he was crazy. They said, don't do it. Don't waste your talent. And so he was a little bummed by this. So he started to, to, he said that these were like little wounds to the heart. And so he was motivated to write this script in secret. And I, I kind of feel like I felt that at times where like, you know, I look at, I talk to family, friends, acquaintances, people at work, and they find out I read horror. I'm part of this horror movie podcast. I have a haunted house I put two months a year into for Halloween. They look at me like I'm a little bit off. Like, like, are you a child? Like, I get that. So I, I kind of felt that feeling. Um, I felt like I, I understood what he felt there. But the cool thing about this is he right away, in my opinion, pushed away from all the tropes of the creature feature, like the Godzilla and the, um, I mean, there's how many remakes of Godzilla? They're, they're still coming out every other year, it feels like. But he pushed away from that, from some of the tropes of the horror movie, the, the creature feature. Um, right away, first of all, he shows us the creature, the whole creature, for like a long period of time in daylight. Like there's no like where you see the outline when the, the lightning flashes or that you see, like he usually that's how these things build. You see a footprint, you see things like that. He was like, no, I'm just going to show this creature a hundred percent. And he's talked about it later and said, I, what I wanted was everybody to see the creature, get over it. So we could deal with the family that we end up putting this story around and i thought that was a cool way to start i agree and yeah not only in broad daylight right away just (laughs) let's come out with it let's uh let's have the major event and i actually man what a sequence (laughs) because i imagine if some giant like weird tadpole ravenous thing jumped out of the river and started eating people that's exactly how it would go yeah. Because, you know, you had you had a lot of people who just straight up, you know, like, pop smoke and ran away. But then you had, you know, of course, the other people who were stumbling and making mistakes. The the father, you know, uh, Kongdu, he actually grabs the wrong kid. He sees the little girl, he thinks it's his daughter, he grabs her by the arm, starts running off, and only yeah. then, and only after a moment does he realize he grabbed the wrong girl. Something you'd so, imagine happening, for sure. And yes, for sure. Especially since they both this, had, you know, similar clothing on. Well, let's talk about this creature a little bit, too. Because one thing about the creature, it's... This movie's dated, you know, it's 2006. So CGI was... You know, it just gets better and better and better. But I think that 
I, I like this creature a lot. I like what it how it looked. I, I feel like I can get my head around this creature. Where like when you're watching Godzilla, King Kong, it feels like the perspective or the size seems to change. Like they're standing next to, you know, the biggest building in the world and they're taller than it. And then next thing you know, it just seems like I can never get my head around some of those Godzilla and King Kong movies. This this creature, I feel like I, I, I kind of know what this thing is. And one thing that I read that I thought was awesome is that he, uh, the director, he, he modeled it after Steve Buscemi and specifically his performance in Fargo. Does that ring true to you at all? <laughs> I mean, poor Steve Buscemi. The, the man is not handsome, but amazing, amazing performer. But think of him in Fargo, you know, with his neck cut and just that, you know. And then think of this creature. And it's amazing that, like, when they said that, I went, whoa. <laughs> and now I can't unsee it. Seriously. That's like the only visualization that I have in my head now. <laughs> and I mean, one of the things that I was going to say is that this creature was sufficiently repulsive. It was so, it was such an unpleasant view to me to look at that creature, which is, you know, what it was supposed to look like. Sure. So, did a very good job. Sorry, Steve Buscemi. <laughs> I know. He's so good, but come he on. He is. You're my favorite dude, but, oh, man. <laughs> kind of a funny looking, kind of in a general funny looking way, you know. Um, the other thing he does different with this movie from Creature Features is usually you have the hero, you know, somebody tough um, that, that you don't know usually these movies there's not a ton of character development when you lose this guy that guy you're like all right whatever um i knew him for like one second he talked about his wife or he, you know i know one thing about this person he once he saw the creature he then began to to focus on this family and develop their character develop this was not like a lot of these movies where it's like, you killed my dog, you killed my, my wife, I'm going to get revenge on this enormous creature. I've driven to kill this creature. This was more like a kidnapping film with a family having their, their, their baby daughter in, in the family. The one, the one pure little gal that keeps this family, this really you know malfunctioning family together, was kidnapped. It gets kidnapped by this creature. And, and until, you know, they are pretty dysfunctional until they find that, 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 that this girl is still alive. That's when the story picks up a pace and they, they decide they're not trying to kill the creature. They don't want anything to do with it, really. They just want to save this little person. And I thought that was a really different way to deal with a creature uh, movie. Um, you, also, you don't have these big, tough characters that, you know, you're like, okay, yeah, the rock probably could punch Godzilla and maybe it would hurt it a little bit. Like, no, these are like, like this old grandpa and this like simpleton. And I mean, these people are really dysfunctional. And the hell. brother who's a drunk and the sister who yeah. brought home the shameful bronze medal shameful. in the Olympics, the shameful bronze medal. <laughs> How disappointing. Right. So, <laughs> but, but the, the beauty of that is that it, I, I heard a comparison of this family to the family in Little Miss Sunshine, and it it really clicked with me. Like this dysfunctional, 
not a road trip like Little Miss Sunshine, but you know these people that really have to work together for for this child, for her sake. And and I thought that was a, a good connection. So again, these aren't superheroes. These are normal messed up people, and they're not looking for revenge or anything like all the other movies seem to do. So I I thought that was kind of interesting that he went that route. And they get their asses kicked. They do. Like early and often by authorities, <laughs> by the people trying to quarantine them, by the creature itself. <laughs> well, the the I US mean, military have, they, is not the well, only government to blame here. I mean, immediately South Korea starts telling lies about everything that's going on to everybody all the time. Um Oh yeah, it's it's the Bach family against the world. And uh, you know, it's it was a really nice part of this movie to see how they came together to go get the daughter back. It was um it was nice. You know, something that really resonated with me about this movie was cuz you know, we we talked about this last time. We all just emerged from the COVID wars. We all just emerged from two years of various levels of quarantine. So to see how poorly the quarantine in this movie was executed, because, you know, obviously they wanted to cordon off everybody who had yeah. had contact with the creature. They did a terrible job, just absolutely terrible. <laughs> and it was very laughable to me because I thought to myself, yeah, this rings true, because everybody that they were holding didn't want to cooperate. It was put together so hastily because it was an emergency response. Nobody really had had experience with anything like this before. Nobody knew what to do. That part was the part that kind of gave me the willies. <laughs> yeah, no, and the dark humor really carries that show throughout. It's it's It makes it, I mean, it, it, the horror comes from things like when the government decides to get uh, the main character to not talk about what he saw, we're just going to lobotomize him. I mean, the horror isn't the monster. And it's not, um, because it's not really the monster's fault. It was made by, by man. You know, it was made. Mm -hmm. It did what monsters do. Um, it's not this family's fault. It's It's like the evil is... The cover-up, I think. The evil is um, the the idea of... And it's just really in your face. That's what I... I, I mean, there is evil in the creature. It's, it's malicious. It's killing. It's taking this little girl. But one of the things that I liked about it, it's just so in your face what it is. It, it, the, there's nothing hidden. It shows just what evil really is. And, and evil is, in this case, something that will hurt somebody, you know, kind of the more weak person in our, in our society. So anything that would do that, like the, the, this, um, the main character is really not a bright person. I mean, he, they show that in a lot of ways. He's got like the frosted tip showing he's lazy. He's, 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 he doesn't follow through. He does not, I mean, here his sister's a, Maybe only a bronze medal in the Olympics, but this guy, he's got really nothing going for him. He's lazy. He can't even, even serve a full squid. No, he eats the one of the tentacles off, the best one, yeah. the longest one. I mean, he's he's lazy. He's not a great father. He's not, and and yet, I mean, the idea of them 
saying we're going to lobotomize you just to cover this up, that's pure evil. I mean, this guy isn't bad. You think this guy isn't maybe a great dad, but he's not that. He doesn't deserve that. So No, absolutely not. But going back to the family, yeah, he's not a great dad, but his redemption arc is something that's really cool about this movie. And as he was, you know, going on this quest to find his daughter with his dad and his siblings and the way that they just, you know, hunkered down and decided to join together to make this happen. I mean, really, what could be more motivational than that? Seriously. And, yeah, I liked that it showed that even though he was kind of a, a bumbling fool, yep. when it came time to go get his daughter, he could dig in. Well, and, and that I, was a really great, you know, human part of this movie. The idea that somehow the, having the partial lobotomy gave him some clarity made me think of Homer Simpson when he has the crayon <laughs> shoved up his nose into his brain and he becomes he becomes an actual intelligent person. And how, like, he that seemed to almost happen to him at that point. Like, there was a change for sure. And he became, it, it pushed him. Um, I think it was seeing like that everything was against him and, and nobody cared. Nobody, nobody was going to save his daughter except him. Uh, but it did make me think of the, the crayon and the brain for sure. <laughs> oh yeah. And speaking of the daughter and saw, I mean, talk about the ideal final girl. Hey, she was brave. She was resourceful she made sure that she was taking care of the other young boy who was kidnapped. Yep. She was a heroine. And if you guys are here and you don't want to spoil alert for the uh, for the end of this movie, back out now. I have never been angrier that a character died at the end of a movie. <laughs> never. It's I was terrible. furious that she died. She was our final girl. That is not supposed to happen. I ever. think in both these movies that we watched... The thing that's not supposed to happen happens, and I think that that the we're we're just wimps. I'm sorry. Most of our, I mean, to get a movie made right now, it's like you you have to have 75 people sign off on it, and then this person's like, no, we got to cut that because you know th this isn't clear enough. We didn't, and then they explain every damn thing in the trailer anyway. I I, I hate watching trailers these days because they they tell. Every aspect of the movie, there's no surprise. There's no character. You see everything that happens, and then then you go and watch the movie, and you, there might be a little bit of filler, but it drives me crazy. I love the fact that that this was brutal in a way. That it showed that the reality of this evil and and how we really are subjected to it i think i i i didn't want that to happen because she is the best person in this movie for sure she's smart she's resourceful she's cuter than hell and yet yeah i was furious especially since they gave us hope they yep. gave us hope that she's gonna make it and so and i thought about that at the end too i'm like well yeah i'm pissed off but yeah, that's horror. <laughs> well, also, you may that's not... That's showbiz, folks. <laughs> you may not want to watch Parasite either, because pretty much all this dude's movies, Snowpiercer, there's not real happy endings. And and yet, I love them. I, I love the, the, the journey. 
So, was there anything else on the host that you were thinking about or that you wanted to throw out? Well, I will tell you that one other thing that gave me the willies about this movie was I watched this on YouTube. So, if any of you are out there and you want to watch this movie free of charge, YouTube's got it for you. You can watch the whole thing. Oh, wow. But that movie was uploaded in February of 2020. Hmm. And given that so much of the movie was dedicated to a quarantine, I was like, that is very unfortunate timing. That hmm. kind of made the hair on the back of my neck stand up. Well, one thing I had read about this film, which was kind of cool, is that it came out, you know, in 2006. And as of 2009, this was the highest grossing film to date to that up till that point in South Korea. What they said is that by the numbers, over 20% of South Korea saw this movie, not counting people that obviously saw it twice. Um, they loved this movie. And for a creature feature, like uh, King Kong or whatever, I mean, those are popcorn films. You know, to have people actually get behind something like this and love it on a different... That, that's a different level. That's like a Jurassic Park almost level. Um, it, it, there was something that really spoke to to the South Koreans about this show, and I feel like I, I caught most of it. You know, I'm sure there's some, some uh, cultural things that I didn't get at all, but, I, you know, I, I felt like I was there for it. So, really cool there show. There was one other thing that I really did like about this movie. You know, as the family is, you know, making their way toward where they think the creature is you know they stop for the night and it's after the lobotomization and kongdu is just you know seems like he's near catatonic everybody's frustrated with him too for some reason and that's when his father talks about how he came to be part of the family because he's actually not biologically part of the family right. he was adopted they had saved him from a terrible situation and then you know of course at the end he gets the opportunity to do the same thing with the young boy yeah. that his daughter had saved. Yep. So. That was cool. I like that. That was an excellent, that was an excellent, you know, circular movement in that story. Yeah, I love the, the grandpa character. He was, I mean, nobody's perfect in this, but he was, a, and his, the way he um, tried to keep everybody together was, was kind of sweet. You know, still flawed, and I love how he tried bribing people all the time. I, I don't know if that's a an old grandpa uh, South Korean thing or not, but kind of think it might be. You know, like that's maybe how things got done back then. <laughs> so they still he still tried it. All right. Well, do you want to talk about the the whaling? Yes, the whaling. A Japanese man arrives at a little village in the mountains of South Korea to live in a secluded house. Soon after, a mysterious disease starts spreading among the villagers, causing a rash, which precedes violent murderous outbreaks, followed by stupor and eventually death. The stakes get higher when one of the policemen who investigates the events is forced to become personally involved in order to save his daughter. Okay, you, you, it seemed like this movie kind of grabbed you a little bit um, when, when you were yeah, watching it. Yeah, by the it. throat. <laughs> Okay, well, tell me this, just from the hip some first impressions. So, the first thing I noticed about this movie was it put me off because it starts 
in a really like crappy sort of trashed shanty for lack of a better word i don't i don't know what it's called in south korea but and it's also monsoon rain it rained pretty much every second of this movie didn't it it felt it like did. it did it was and i've been told from people who have lived in in south korea that that's very accurate there's monsoon season and it rains constantly and even though i live in washington state rain's <laughs> not my favorite yeah you're one so to immediately talk. <laughs> immediately from the set where you know everything was trashed and dirty and it it was a murder scene but it was kind of hard to tell what you know where the murder started and where the trash began and you know it's like it all just blended in and i mean those kind of visuals i mean it, it did a really good job of like kind of putting me on edge immediately because when you have a movie that shows grit like that the kind of movie where you feel like you might need to just go ahead and take that second shower. <laughs> that's a good horror movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know that you're in for an experience where you're going to feel happily uncomfortable watching it. So immediately I'm like, okay, this is going to be one of those. And it really didn't stop. No, this was like, this... you know, foot on the gas for the entire two and a half hours. You don't feel safe at any point in time in this movie like that's the thing that i think um that a lot of american films are missing now because you know because of the whole you have to have a formula where we're going to make x amount of millions and we have to do it this way i understand that you, you you need to make money to make a movie and because the movie costs money i understand all of that but that's not what this director was worried about and i can promise you that he did nothing safe ever in this movie he didn't it's, some of this stuff feels like it's just like like you don't know what's going on hardly at all throughout the whole movie at least i didn't the first couple times i the first time i watched it even the second time i watched it, i'm like i know i saw this but what the hell's going on here i can't remember where this goes you know and there's that yeah. un, you feel unsafe the whole time and i think that that's uh something that um anytime you find that i think that um ari aster that's the way um, his films feel. Uh, if you think about uh, Midsummer, and yep. um, what's the the one with the girl whose head gets knocked off? Anyway, both those movies feel the same. Like you feel like you don't know what's going to happen next. You don't feel safe ever. And I think that I think he those are the films that keep you grit you know on the edge of your seat. Anyway, talking about. The, the main character in this film, did you see some similarities between, uh, let me go back to his name. What's his name? Oh, between, between, um, Kongdu and Jonggu. Oh, yeah. yes, absolutely. Yeah. They seem I mean, like they were pretty much the same guy, except they're one bumbling. was a vendor and one was a cop. Yeah. yeah they're bumbling. They're heavy set. They're kind of weak. They're, uh, simple minded. Confused. I mean, they, yeah. they, they, ha confused. they have moments of goodness, but they're not like the greatest guy. They're not really that strong. Um, to me, that was interesting to have such similar characters as main characters in both these movies. And they both had, you know, the vulnerable daughter. So, yeah. and that, that provided their main motivation in order to, you know, get it together and do something 
So that was another uh, very interesting similarity. Like um, we mentioned in the the intro, this movie isn't easy to define. This is it's got aspects of a ghost movie. It's a demon movie, it, like possession type. Um, you could say it's like a sh- shaman type film. It's there's a zombie. There's zombie aspects. Very much a zombie movie. And so I think because it kind of and 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 what you're fi- what's going on is Jungu the the bumbling cop. He's investigating a murder, and as he goes down this rabbit hole, he's trying to solve this, and um, every at every step, it just gets more and more confusing and complicated to where um, he, he tries really hard not to pin this on the, the Japanese man, even though from the beginning, some of his friends and colleagues are like, oh yeah, he did it, you know? He he, he was trying to be of the village. Yeah, he was trying to be fair and say, "Look, just because he's Japanese, just you know." Um, but in the end, um, as he's trying to solve this case, and he's not a great investigator, let's be honest. Um, but even if he he's was, he's not a great police officer in any sense. In, in, police no. officers are supposed to be great. I mean, he he doesn't arrest it. It's like. It kind of makes me think of, like, small-town Utah, you know, where somebody's uncle got you the job there as a cop before they had really any, um, you know, qualifying, qualification exams, things like that. And it's like every cop in every Stephen King in the rural town, you know, somebody that's scratching their head with their gun kind of a situation. Yep. You know, the person that I watched this with made the comment... About Jongu, it's like this is the only cop I've ever seen who makes Barney Fife look like <laughs> Superman. <laughs> it's true. He's a terrible cop, and and in some ways that does distract a little bit. I mean, I'm not a police officer, but I I at least have a few. Like even a stop clock is right twice a day. This this poor guy, but. I think that if you can overlook some of that with the idea that how strange these things are as they're happening, maybe, you know, if you, that's what I kind of did. I wrote it off as, yeah, but if I was going through something this weird, I probably would forget any type of training also. I don't know. Of course, I'm not, I've never had training, so we'll skip that idea. (laughs) So what I found fascinating about this movie was the way that they set up, you know, the disease, which leads to, you know, the murderous tendencies, which leads to the stupor, and then they die. Like, this, that was a really interesting progression of events for each person who got infected. And, you know, what... There's a, you know, a subgenre of horror that I really like is, you know, a supernatural event that leads to true crime, you know, like Amityville horror type of stuff. Like, yeah, there's a presence, but the person who's actually doing the killing is a person. So the way that they weaved all this in, that allowed for the genre bending that I think this movie is really renowned for, or at least it is all over the internet. Going through the internet, I found nothing but praise for this movie. I couldn't find anybody who had even sort of a bad thing to say about it, except to say, 
I wasn't sure I got it, so I watched it five times, you know, which, which is pretty much, you know, what, I mean, I don't, I didn't watch it five times, at least, certainly not consecutively, but many, you know, I would watch 20 minutes, I felt like I lost the thread, so I'd go back and I'd watch 10, you know, watch the previous 10, and then move on. So that's why it took me a really long time to watch this movie, because I did feel lost. I felt lost, I felt confused. That made me feel scared and uneasy. And uh, it also made me question my intelligence. <laughs> I was like, why don't I understand what's happening? Am I stupid? No, I think it, it's on purpose. <laughs> you know, I, I, I haven't seen any other movies by this director, but one of the criticisms is that he overshoots. He, he, he tries um, to go so hard, so, so fast that he sometimes you know, you, people lose the, the the plot. In this case, I think that that actually works in this movie's favor. I think that, like like I said, there's we have so many examples of neat, tidy horror movies where this happens and this happens. And, you know, even with um, The Grudge and, um, the, and The Ring, there are aspects of that in this movie where there's a cycle. Um, and there's nothing you can do to stop it, really. Um, but in this movie, it takes it even further because you get to find what's behind that cycle. Where in The Grudge and in The Ring, there's a videotape where, you know, somebody was killed and, you know, it caused this this horror to happen to the, where if you watch the tape, you're going to die if you don't show it to somebody else. There's a cycle, but it makes sense. In this case, um, I feel like we don't really understand what's going on till the very end. And when we do, it's too late because it's terrible. Like we're in such, you're in such a state of upset, you're, uh, of horror at what's happening that by the time you get that reveal, you're just, it's almost hard to even be okay with it. Like, even though it explains it and, and it's just that it builds to this thing and it keeps you guessing for so long that you're kind of sick to your stomach by the time you get the answer. At least I was. Indeed. And another thing that I thought was interesting was, yes, they showed us the villain immediately, but we <laughs> just couldn't ever be certain about it. Yeah. And then, you know, much like the host, yeah, so we see the antagonist immediately, but what's the real evil? Well, that all comes in later. Well, I think we need to talk about it. I mean, in this case... You have a demon, or the devil, and that is the, the Japanese man. But it's kind of a con game going on. There's kind of a, a deeper um, trick going on, because there's a shaman who comes conveniently to, to cast out this demon. And yet, it's a lot like, I don't know if you've ever read American Gods, or um, even, you know, what how some people look at Christianity, there's this idea, wait, okay, so the devil is kind of doing what God wants him to do, so they're kind of working together. Um, that's what happens in American Gods. You have Odin, and, and spoiler alert, he has Loki. Um, they, work, they work as if they're against each other, but they're really on the same team. And in this case, the shaman and the demon are on the same team the whole time. 
So there's really no way that, that the main characters could really um, avoid any of this. I mean, they were the person that they went to for help was the very person working with the demon. And, th- and they're just going around doing this to people, basically causing mayhem. And then, of course, we also had, you know, the, the distraction piece, the woman, um, Mumia, who is, you know, kind of around the village and she seems to know things and she's looking pretty suspicious and all of that. She's a ghost, but as it turns out, she's trying to help the whole time. I know, Even it's though... so sad. <laughs> I, I did read And if that... they would have just listened, if well, it would have just listened... I don't know anything. She, she had a hold. She had a protection. She had a protection spell over the house. Yes. And if he would have just followed directions, his daughter would have been safe. But, but he didn't. But he didn't. Yeah. So this ghost, um, I guess, comes from mythology. I, I don't know any of this the culture's mythology, but that um, she collects, I guess, belongings from villagers from their upper body, and those protect them where the the japanese man who's a demon collects the items belonging to the the lower part of their body like their shoes so he can curse them uh, that's something I, you learn something new every day there i guess but yeah she was the whole time trying to help but she's mute and she's kind of annoying kind of homeless looking and nobody listens to her so that's sad <laughs> But I guess the little girl, again, the little girl really stole the show in this movie again, like in The Host. I guess she practiced uh, modern dance for six months so she could do the possession scenes. Oh, my gosh. And that's always effective. It's always scary. Uh, I I thought she was great. When I saw that, I wondered if they used CGI because, wow. (laughs) It's more upsetting when they don't. You're like. Yes, so it is always don't. more upsetting when they I don't. would be worried if that was my kid, like, if you're upset with them, they just start doing that. I wouldn't like that, so. Oh, it was, it was horrifying, especially, I have had a couple of instances in the past where I've gotten upset with my kid, and she's yelled at me. Yeah. And even though I'm angry, I'm a little bit scared. Because, yeah. Because, Sweet little innocent kids aren't supposed to scream like that, especially not swear. It was a a whole, you know, it was right back to watching The Exorcist when you're not supposed to in junior high. That was the feeling I got watching that little girl scream and swear at her dad. Yeah. And I've told you this before. The horror trope that disturbs me the most is children who kill. And again, that's probably, that probably started back when I, you know, watched Children of the Corn when I was 11 at a sleepover when I wasn't supposed to, and there yes. we go. great movie. But... <laughs> <laughs> or a little gauge from Pet Cemetery. <laughs> yes, or yeah. all, of, all of the Children of the Damned, or yeah. very effectively, the child version of Michael Myers that Rob Zombie showed us in his Yeesh. version of Halloween. Yep. Yeah, so, no, it is freaky because, you, you know, you have what should be this innocent, sweet thing. But also it's hard to really know what kids are thinking sometimes. Even kids that we that are our own kids that we know and love, they sometimes just act bizarre and you don't really know why. And so that there's a fear, I think, in every parent. I, I'm sure somebody that doesn't have their own kid, 
maybe kids freak them out on some level, but maybe just that they don't know what to do when kids do anything. But like as a parent, there's times where like my one of my kids might have had a, a I think Ollie he uh, he had a seizure one time. And, like, he was fine, and then suddenly he was having a seizure, and it, I've never seen him act like that before. And it, there's nothing more terrifying as a parent than that. So it takes oh, parts of that. without a doubt. Yeah, big time. Um, the other thing about this that's terrible is this randomness that, where at least with the, the, the grudge, you know, that curse was anybody that dealt with that house and, and that family. Um, and in the ring, you know, you show the, you watch the videotape. Yeah. Maybe that seems innocent, but you did something with this. Um, one of the, the quotes from this that I thought was cool. Um, they're talking about the demon. He said, even among other demons, he's a master of evil. And then the main character says, if that's true, why does it have to be? And he says, your daughter, what sin did that young girl ever commit? And he says, yes. And and the other character says, if you go fishing, do you know what you'll catch? And he says, no. And he said, this demon is just fishing. He, not even he knows what he'll catch. He just threw out the bait and your daughter took it. Which is this, that, it's creepy, the idea of the randomness of almost like lightning striking or, you know, why this person got COVID and it killed him. And this person over here got COVID and they didn't even know they had it. That randomness of bad things happening is kind of terrifying. Yes. And once again, in the very first scene, they showed the Japanese man fishing. They showed us immediately. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. But we could, but we just couldn't be sure, or at least I couldn't be sure. I was very upset when this movie ended. <laughs> so, like, both of them, it sounds like. <laughs> both of them, yeah. I mean, this one... After I turned it off, because I, I very, uh, I made the very poor decision of trying to watch it before I tried to go to bed. <laughs> so I was just kind of like laying in my bed, staring at the ceiling, not really thinking about anything, just kind of letting the shock wash over my body. I don't think I've done that since I watched Requiem for a Dream when I was in college. Oh, let's so. not talk about that. Uh, same thing. Oh yeah. I felt like talk I'd about been horror on a different level. In the throat <laughs> and stomach. Ugh. Um. Yeah, I, I, there is a character in like the first part of the movie that for no reason gets struck by lightning, and and killed. You know, mm-hmm. and it, I, one of the commentaries I read was, that person was lucky. <laughs> I mean, to not have to deal this idea. It's like it was a kindness compared to the violence the rest of this town deals with. Um, it said if the wailing's kind of an Old Testament fable, then it, it's less about Job's personal tragedy and more like the Tower of Babel, this chaos that is allowed by the divine to test men, um, which that's what it kind of feels like. I mean, even at one point, the, the Christian friend of his kind of just said, there's no help for you. <laughs> there's there's nothing yeah. that can be done. You're, you're screwed. Um and and that horror uh, overwhelming and that and the last scene of of his daughter having you know murdered, um, just the the people in his home the 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 horror of that experience and then how he tries to comfort saying, "Daddy's a policeman. I'm going to make this all better," which he had said you know prior 
it's just been a sad way to end a movie for sure. But we don't watch horror movies necessarily to be happy. (laughs) 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 And in that way, this movie was very effective. I thought it was a great example of something that you could show somebody and they've never seen anything exactly like it. And it will have an effect on them. It is a little bit long. It's like two and a half hours. But I think with both these shows, there's enough uniqueness and and fun. There's still some humor in this movie, too. Um, It's not, you know, quite as as prevalent. But um, I think Particularly the scene where he's asking his friend to translate to the Japanese man. (laughs) And his friend is not saying, really anything close to what he's actually saying (laughs) that was fun yeah i mean i think that that was my favorite scene (laughs) it walked a line of of humor and but uh, i think i think we might have grabbed two of the better south korean horror movies and i think i'm i'm better for it i'm actually really glad that we we did these and i appreciate you kind of going out out a little bit on a limb with me on it Oh, like I said, these were a treat and it was, it was a different kind of feeling watching a horror movie, but I liked them both. I'm very impressed with both of them. Okay. I've got some recommendations for you and anyone else. Um, Korean horror movies. One of my favorites that we didn't watch, it's called Black House. Um, it's, it's about a, an insurance, um, a life insurance investigator that looks into a mysterious death and it is it's kind of got a feeling you know in um, house of a thousand corpses when they end up in the downstairs part with dr mm-hmm. uh death or whatever his name dr. is dr satan satan there you go that feeling when you're down there that's kind of the feeling of the end of this movie and it's really a, a perfect uh horror movie there's a couple others um, three extremes is three different stories, so that's kind of fun because you get you know three different vibes. There's one called A Tale of Two Sisters that I probably saw ten years ago, and then there's a newer one. It's a zombie movie called Train to Busan. Um, I think it's on Netflix, and it's just a great zombie movie. It's yeah, I've seen a million zombie movies. I feel like I might have seen them all. I watched this one recently, and I'm like. Nope, I haven't seen them all, and I was glad I watched it. So those are some fun ones if you want to add them to your list. And that's a wrap for tonight's episode of The Dark Art. Thanks for joining us on our first foray into international films with Korean horror. We sincerely appreciate you letting us add a bit of darkness to your day. Until next time, friends. (laughs) 